This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Taking pride in one's abilities or one's own work is seen by some people as a very valuable asset. Yet it's also seen as t- at times as an emotion that has its faults. It's considered to be, well, it was for a long time. I don't know if it necessarily is now, uh, but it was one of the seven deadly sins. Jessica Tracy, professor of uh, psychology at the University of British Columbia, looks at how people can find a frame, uh, can find a level of success from this emotion. Her new book, Take Pride, is available in bookstores and online right now, and we welcome her to the show. Jessica, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you very much. So explain the backstory and how pride ever got this this negativity to it. I Personally, me, I think if you take pride in your work, it's it's always a positive. Do you? That's that's great. I think, um, you know, I, I agree that it's often a positive. I won't say always because um, there is a darker side to pride. Um, but, but you know, I think what, what you're suggesting is unusual in that a lot of people do see it as negative. Um, and, and that has a long, long history. I think it goes all the way back to, you know, ancient religious scholars. Yeah. And in the Bible, pride is deadly. Dante saw it as a deadly sin. And there there's some truth to that in the sense that, what we found is that there are two different kinds of pride. We call them hubristic pride and authentic pride. And hubristic pride is problematic. It's That's the pride that really is all about arrogance and egotism. And it's more than just sort of a sense of, I, I worked really hard and I feel good about it. It's much more kind of, I am the greatest. So I'm better than others. Right. I deserve more than others. Well, and you bring up an interesting example of that in the book, uh, is Lance Armstrong. Uh, and, yeah. and, and boy, if, if there's anybody that ever kind of fit, fit into that category, it was Lance Armstrong. Yeah. Now, I mean, he's a really interesting example, I think, because he's someone who probably didn't always exemplify hubristic pride, right? If, right. if you think about his early life, I mean, he just, he spent every day, you know, his teenage years and, and young adult years riding his bike as hard and fast as he could. Right. And that, that really, I mean, that sense of drive for achievement and greatness that's authentic pride. That's the desire to sort of be the best that you possibly can to sacrifice all kinds of other more fun things that he could be doing to sort of put in this incredibly hard work, subject himself to pain. You know, one thing I argue in this book is that pride is what motivates us to do all that, to go sort of beyond pleasure and easiness and say, no, there's something that I want to be or some kind of person I want to be that takes really hard work and I'm going to do it. Um, And that's authentic pride. But yes, then I think what happened eventually at some point, and I don't know exactly when the shift happened, but at some point, Lance got much more attached to the praise that he was getting from others, the sort of you know, sense that he was the greatest and how others saw him right. than he was to actually being the greatest. And so he shifted his strategy, and he sort of thought, well, maybe there's an easier way to get all this praise and be seen as the greatest without actually having to put in the hard work that would be necessary to prove that he really is the greatest. And what's what's interesting about him as an example is the fact that, you know, he's a cancer survivor. And, yeah. you know, and when you have a kind of a life-altering moment like that, it, that is something that I think a lot of people would say uh, you want to work hard to, to, to come back from and, and be a success just to beat that. I mean, it, you know, this is yeah. different from having the, you know, all the uh, the glory and the and the, the, you know, the things that go along with it. It's That's a different element to why I, it, it makes you surprised a little bit that that Armstrong did kind of take the path that he did at times. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, my sense is when he was beating cancer, that was the authentic pride, right? That was him sort of saying, I've got to do everything I can to kick this disease. And and I mean, all the good that he did from that to raise awareness for cancer, yep. with, you know, live strong. I mean, he, he just did amazing things for the world and cancer survivors everywhere. Um, but then, you know, and, and I was as surprised as many people were when it came out that, in fact, he'd been he'd been cheating for a long time after that. But then if you look at the behaviors that he engaged in while he was cheating, it's very consistent with the kinds of behaviors that we see of people who demonstrate hubristic pride, which is to say it's not just that they're arrogant and think they're better than everyone else. They also feel the need to sort of put others down. They, they bully others. They control them in a very intimidating and aggressive way. And based on stories that Lance's teammates told about him and other people in his life, it sounds like that's exactly what he was doing. Is there, a, is there I guess, then a, a level of insecurity within some of these people as, as to why maybe they go down this path? Yes, exactly. I think, I think insecurity is a big part of what drives hubristic pride, that these are people who feel at some level, maybe it's unconscious, I think for many people it is unconscious, right. uh, some bit of shame. I'm, I'm not good enough. And what if people discover that I'm not good enough? And the way that they cope with that is to sort of bury it, hide it away, and say, no, no, I'm going to be the greatest. I'm going to be the best. And so the pride you see, it's not authentic. It's this sort of inflated, aggrandized sense of self that leads to all this defensiveness that, that really, I think, is apparent. It, it also, I was just thinking about this a second ago, um, it, it almost feels like, you know, in the case of Lance Armstrong, you know, he, he does such amazing things to, you know, to become the cyclist that he was, but, you know, obviously to, to support uh, Live Strong and, and, and the fight against cancer. And it's almost like it feels like, and tell me if I'm right or wrong in this, that you, you, you almost come to a decision point. And it's, you know, it's literally the fork in the road and you can, you know, take one path and you can continue on to be, you know, a, a great person being very supportive. And, and then you could also go to the left and be that that kind of egotistical self that where pride becomes a, a, a big negative. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think that probably is what happened. And I think it's what happens to many of us. You know, he's an extreme example, but I think we all encounter that fork, that decision path. You know, anytime we have a success, anytime we feel good about ourselves, right. we sort of are faced with the decision of, okay, this feels great, right? I, you know, we right. evolved to feel this way. We evolved to want to feel good about ourselves. So it's this really rewarding, pleasurable feeling. And then we're at the decision point where, okay, I know I got here by working my butt off and having this great achievement. So if I want to keep this feeling, do I think about the next big achievement, the next thing I need to do to keep this sense of self going? Right. Or do I instead think about ways where I can kind of just maximize this feeling I'm having right now? Like, mm -hmm. what if more people knew about my success? What if I could advertise more broadly how great I am? That's a, that's kind of a nice shortcut that's going to get me a lot of pleasure in the sense of, you know, more people are going to praise me. That'll make me feel even more pride, but it doesn't make me have to do all that work. And I think that's kind of where hubristic pride kind of sets in, where people right. say, you know, there's an easier way. I don't have to put in the work. I could brag, I could post about my success on social media, you know, all this sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, instead of feeling the authentic pride and actually kind of becoming the kind of person you want to become, what you're feeling is this sort of inflated kind of pride that's based on other people's recognition of you. We're talking with Jessica Tracy, uh, professor of psychology at the University of British Columbia. Her new book, Take Pride, Why the Deadliest Sin Holds the Secret to Human Success. So, for people that, that do understand and can make that distinction of pride as a positive, where do you see being the biggest benefits that, that, that people find? 
Well, what we found is that, so, so pride is a positive. It's, you know, it is what motivates us to work hard and achieve. And it's sort of, I like to think of it as the carrot, that basically it's this thing that we want to feel in our sense of self. And we feel it when we're doing or working or putting, the, putting in the effort to become that kind of person, the person that we want to be. And it's really interesting because what we found is it's not the case necessarily that, you know, you have a big success and then you feel authentic pride and then you think, okay, now I'm going to work even harder next time to get that again. Because once you have a success, you sort of are already putting in the hard work and you feel authentic pride. It's great. And, and hopefully you'll keep on working hard at the same level to keep that authentic pride going. But where we see the most sort of pronounced effects is when people don't have that sense of pride. And so just to give you one example, we did this study where we had undergraduates just take a normal class exam and we looked at how well they did in the exam. And then we asked them to tell us how proud they felt of their performance. And the students who did poorly on the exam, who didn't do as well as they, they wanted to, those students, some of them told us, you know, I don't feel proud of myself. I don't feel that sense of authentic pride that I'd like to feel in my performance. Right. And those feelings, that lack, that missing of pride, actually led those students to tell us a few weeks later, I'm going to study differently for the next exam. Right. And that change in behavior, in turn, led to an improved performance on that next exam, which we could trace directly back to those initial kind of absence of authentic pride feelings. So this is sort of a long story to say it's the awareness that there's this sense of pride I'm not getting in my life that I want to get. Right. That's what causes people to change their behavior and end up performing better. So they're, so in some respects, they're almost like filling a hole that uh, that's kind of been there for a little while, yeah. correct? Yeah, no, I think that's a great way of putting it, that it is a hole. And, and in the book, I talk about examples of people who I think sense that hole in their lives and, and yeah. made a big change in order to, to become the kind of person they wanted to be. Like who? Because you met, you mentioned, well, I mean, you mentioned Paul, Paul Gauguin in, in, in the book. You also mentioned Steve Jobs. I don't know if they, the, either one of those would fit into that, into that category. Yeah. You know, Paul Gauguin is, is more the example of that. Although, okay. you know, there, um, so Paul Gauguin was a famous painter, um, obviously. And, and he's interesting because he didn't become a painter until relatively late in life. He yep. was a stockbroker uh, in Paris and kind of living the successful bourgeoisie Parisian life. You know, he had a family. He was relatively wealthy. Uh, he was taking care of his family and his wife, but he wasn't happy. He was very dissatisfied, and so he would constantly sneak away from his home life to learn about, you know, bohemian art life and the art that was happening in, in Paris. And eventually, he realized that to become the person he wanted to be, he had to kind of give up everything that he had, which meant leaving his family behind, living pretty much in starvation and in great poverty in the streets of Paris and later in Martinique in order to become an artist. Now, we might question whether that was a good choice to make for the others around him. Obviously, it hurt his family a great deal, left his wife to take care of these five kids. Um, so I don't want to say, like, he, he did great things. But for him, that was what he needed to do to find the pride that he'd been missing in his life as, as sort of a, you know, bohem, uh, sort of bourgeoisie stockbroker. And I think it's a nice example because I think it's something a lot of us can relate to, just in the sense of many of us in our everyday lives are able to get by, right? We have a sure. job, we have, uh, you know, a, a family life, whatever it is we have, we're, we're successful, we're kind of making ends meet, but something's missing. And I think we know that something's missing when we realize, you know, I'm not getting enough out of my life. I'm, I'm not feeling that sense of satisfaction in myself that I need to feel. And there's lots of different ways to, to go about getting it. And you certainly don't have to leave your family behind and become a starving artist, right. you know, I think there's many more simpler steps that people can take in it, but I think we see this when people say, you know what, I'm going to train to run a 5K or a marathon, yeah. or, you know, I've always wanted to take photography classes. I'm going to go ahead and, and do that. 
Um, or sometimes it can be something like, you know, my career, it's good, but it's not fulfilling. It's not the kind of thing that that is right for me. I'm going to actually go back to grad school or I'm going to shift jobs or I'm going to go for that promotion. And what I would say drives all these changes is that sense of something is, is lacking in my life in terms of me becoming the kind of person I want to be. The, the problem is that in, in, in this day and age, and I think we see it even a little bit more with the kind of the wealth disparity that we've got in this country is the fact that uh, some people may have grand dreams, uh, you know, would like to be able to take that leap of faith to, to a degree, but they're worried about, uh, uh, you know, about, where they are right now and, and almost being like a Paul Gauguin of, of having to go so far down to, you know, to, to kind of build themselves back up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's a great point that, you know, we sort of, there's, there's a sense that, you know, well, some people can do this can take this huge step and other people, you know, if you need to support your family, then you need to make sure that that's the first thing and, and that's taken care of. And, and, and I do think there's a great deal of authentic pride that can come from just, you know what, I don't love my job. It's not fulfilling me, but it brings me a paycheck that lets me be the kind of family person that I want to be. Right. And that that's a valuable way to attain authentic pride also. And I think that's really important to kind of keep in mind. Um, but yeah, no, I think there's different ways to do this. Some require a huge risk financially and not everyone can do that. Others, like I was saying, may not. So, you know, I'm going to get up an hour earlier every morning and, and start running so that I yeah. can feel a sense of pride in, in my athleticism, or I'm going to take a photography class, or whatever it is. I think there's different ways to go at this. We're talking with Jessica Tracy, professor of psychology at the University of British Columbia. Your comments are welcome at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866 is the number to give us a call. Uh, I guess then, how do you view what we've seen the last few years with uh, you know, the stories are, 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 are very common these days of kids coming out of college. Uh, they, they've obviously gotten a, a degree and they're struggling to find that right job and they have to go back to, you know, living with mom and dad or, you know, they're taking a job much below where they probably should be because they've made the investment uh, in, you know, in that college education, which has cost them, you know, anywhere from 100000 to $200,000. Pride, pride is something that, and again, it's it's such a, a unique thing that you can think of it in a couple of different ways. That uh, I get in it, the sense, in some respects, that that for people like that, because we've seen so many of these stories, we do have the chance of having that negative pride more so than the positive pride. Yeah, that's interesting because of the insecurity. Um, yeah, no, I think that's absolutely right. That it's a really tough position the economy is putting people in. That you can actually, you know, get a great college degree, be really well educated, and then find yourself living with your parents because you can't afford rent in, you know, whatever outrageously expensive city you need to live in to, yeah. to find a job. Um, and you know, I absolutely think that's that's sort of a great breeding ground for hubristic pride, where someone might think, okay, you know, I've just got to find this job, and it's very entry level, and it's you know doing work well below what the kind of things I know I'm capable of. How am I going to take pride in that? Um, and one way that people do cope with that is this compensation of, well, you know, I'm great in all these other ways, and, and that's what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to, yeah. you know, I'm going to really brag to others and, and that kind of thing. And it's a risk, and I think it's, it's absolutely out there. And, and you know, what I would say is, um, you know, I don't, I don't have any great advice for people in that situation, but I do think knowing knowing that this can happen might be useful. Understanding that authentic pride is kind of the ultimate thing that we're all seeking. And hubristic pride is, is this thing that we often go for when we can't get authentic pride, or even if we can, but, you know, it's an easier route, um, and it's out there, and it 
it's not going to probably buy us what we want in the sense of actual success and achievement. It, it might buy us power. Right. Super pride is linked to power over others and control. So I don't want to say, you know, nothing good can ever come of it. Um, many people use super pride as a way of getting dominance. Um, but the kind of power that it leads to is very different than the kind of power that authentic pride leads to, right? Hubristic pride is much more about, you know, getting power because others are afraid of you and intimidated by you, whereas authentic pride gets you a kind of power that's prestigious. It's others look up to you because they think you have something of value to offer the group. It's uh, probably a, the uh, a little bit like what we saw in in terms of uh, the time surrounding the uh, the uh, the housing bubble and the and the recession. In that you have so many people that had that that level of pride that they thought they were greater than they really were, and it does. I think it, it does tend to force you or it makes you make decisions that that probably end up being negative. And obviously, if you're in a position, that, you know, you're a CEO or CMO or something like that. Making those types of decisions on pride, especially that type of pride, can be a major downfall not only for you but for your company as well. Oh yeah, no, I mean I think that's a really interesting example where when we're feeling it, right? When when we when good stuff is happening to us and we feel good about ourselves, it's a really powerful emotion, right? I mean, like I said, it's it's we evolved to feel that way, and it's adaptive for us to feel that because it's the thing that tells us that we're being included by our social groups and and we're probably going to come to a position of power in those groups. And you can imagine in evolutionary history the massive adaptiveness of, of that information, right, that I'm someone who's not going to get rejected from the group and I might even get control over the group. And so it's for that reason that these feelings are so powerful that when we experience them, we don't want to question them. You know, people experiencing right. the, the housing bubble didn't want to say, wait a minute, this is too good to be true. Right. There's got to be something else going on here because it just feels great, so why not go with it? And I think, yeah, that's huge risk. We've got about 45 seconds. Steve Jobs, where does he fall into into these examples? You know, he's a really interesting one because I think he certainly had to start out as someone who was who had a lot of authentic pride and was seeking authentic pride, right? He's a guy who had amazing ideas, in many ways a genius, right? I mean, he really revolutionized so many pieces of our current technology. It takes someone with, with great intelligence and, and creativity to do that, mm-hmm. and that's authentic pride. However, once he got the power that he eventually had, based on you know everything that everyone who worked with him and for him says, he turned into someone who wielded what I would call dominance, right? He, he sort of was controlling. He was overbearing. He was aggressive. He threatened his employees all the time. You know, he used to say things like, if we fail, it will be because of you, right? which is a very intimidating thing to say to an employee that scares them. And, and the people who worked for him did it not only because they looked up to him, I'm sure many of them did, but also because they were afraid of him, right? And, yeah. you know, he didn't give credit where credit was due to the to the engineers who were working with him. So he's actually an, a really interesting example of someone who probably originally got ahead through authentic pride and prestige, yeah. but then once he had power, might have been afraid to lose it, perhaps because he knew he wasn't the one behind the technology. Right? Sure. He's not yeah. the engineer who's, who's designing these products on the technology side. And that insecurity might have led him to feel, you know what, to retain control, I need to I need to be intimidating. I need to be aggressive. I need to be maneering. Jessica, and thank you. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Greatly appreciate it. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.